about the wanderers in all gold and black You better retreat cause we're on the attack The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack We're Wolverhampton, we're on our way back Hello everybody, welcome to episode 310. That is three, it's one, it's zero, it's the ENS. Podcast, late night holiday in love, with Liam Keane, Mr. Wolverhampton Wonders reporter. Um, and you might have to turn your volume up slightly for this, because we can't go super loud. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> because there are people sleeping either side of us, not being... Any of our family, these are strangers, these are people who want to get some rest. It's half past midnight on Wednesday, the 27th of September. We have just witnessed uh, Wolves go out of the Ipswich, Twipswich in the Carabao Cup. <laughs> I am quite tired. However, we have had some good news today. Liam, we've had some good news. Let's start off with the good news. The good news is we had a lovely meal beforehand, a lovely Turkish grill. And you might enlighten the peeps on what happened post-match on the way home. Post, post-match on the way post home? Post-match on the way home. Oh, we'll have to say. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so? Well, we may have stopped off at McDonald's. Yes. Now, people will be shocked at that. Now, people will be shocked at that because you, you know, like to look after yourself. Mm-hmm. I indulge in a treat every now and then, but I've got, you know, a good body. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Should we say nine hotels? I'm showing, showing a bed, lad. Um, but we just, you know, we went for grilled chicken, round chicken, thought, wrap, you know, yeah. we'll go for some a little low calories, but we yeah. need a little something. We were hungry. Yeah, because I mean, good thing we ate early because the Ipswich Town food press food. <laughs> wow, I mean, it looks horrific. It didn't look great. Brutal. Um, we were waiting at the window to pay for quite a while. Yeah, the car in front of us at the other window moved. We thought, okay, well, they're, they're dealing with everyone at the same window. We move over. I, um, you weren't happy because I beeped. Yeah, you did beep, and I did get a little bit embarrassed. I thought, mm. please don't beep. It's just like, I, oh. I get I cringe in sort of awkward situations. Yeah. Um, but luckily, no one kicked off. Mm-hmm. We went over to the well, next window. No, no one came to the window. Well, no, exactly. No one came. We went over to the next window thinking, oh, we'll just pay at this this one because they're obviously short-staffed or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And he sort of gave us our food, and we were on our merry way. Well, we had to, there was a decision to make there. You know, we got two two wraps and um, some chicken tenders, so it wasn't horrendous. There, was, there wasn't an expensive order, but what would you do? In this circumstance, when we've waited a good, I would say, five minutes at the window, the payment window, no one was there. No one was there at all. So then I drove to the to the delivery window, got it. Do you say, sorry, mate, we haven't paid? Or do you, do, you, do you go? I mean, for me, you go every time. I mean, I would 100% go every time. Yeah, um, no guilt. But, but for the purpose of the podcast, I, I would 100% stay and pay, mate. No. I think it's bang out of order. <laughs> Stop it. It's disgusting. Stop it. Did you like it? It was nice. It was good. It was very good. Um, I always get a little bit of food guilt when I'm not eating well, but we did the we did it well enough. Grilled yeah. chicken, mate. That's as good as good as you're going to get. A yeah, 280 yeah. 80 calorie wrap at this stage. We we did it. We did it well enough for an establishment that is known for fast food. Correct. We, we did all right. We did correct. All right. Correct. Um, so yes, yeah, so the food was good in Ipswich, and the rest of it wasn't really. Uh, the first twenty minutes was decent. Look, there's a lot to talk about, Liam. It's um, you know we we laugh and joke and have a bit of fun here, but this is it's it's not looking good, Brev. As the, as the cool kids say, um, uh, a 1 1 draw against Luton, and you go to Whipswich tonight, 10 changes, and you know, Wolves cruising really at 2 0. They were superb, they were excellent, they looked a class above. This looked like a very easy night, and a night that Gary O'Neill and the Wolves fans and the Wolves players needed badly. And then, really, 70 minutes of just 
horrendous, atrocious, grotesque play where Ipswich, a champion side who have made 10 changes themselves, dominated large parts, score three good goals and a full, full value of that win tonight. And that is, regardless of what Wolves put out, regardless of what team uh, Gary O'Neill selected, is pretty embarrassing. Well, as we said in our post-match video, which let's you know we were we were pretty harsh on the team, but I think rightly so and fairly so. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sum it up with this, and I'm going to have to kill one of the Wolves players straight away, unfortunately. But he was he was rubbish. Yeah, um, Pablo Sarabia. I, I'm a, I'm a fan of him as a player and what he could offer, and I'm talking hypotheticals here. Yeah, and that has never lived up to the bill in a Wolves shirt. I mean, very rarely. I mean, the Blackpool game perhaps the, the most in his Wolves career so mm-hmm. far, and I wasn't even there for it. So, um, <laughs> so it, any chance of you seeing a win, by the way, for Wolves? Oh, I mean, you've got, you you've got bring that your, your first point against Luton. Well done. What are you now? What's your record now? Five games this season? Six games? Five defeats? Six games, five defeats. One draw. One draw. <laughs> wow. That's Man, bad, isn't it? And Man City to come. Man City, Man City Villa. <laughs> Spurs bring on the international break. Crikey! But to be fair, I've I've seen uh, the Wolves win and the Twenty Ones win. Yeah, yeah, you have. Yeah. So I'm doing all right. Okay. Um, yeah, I, go on. I, back I, to Sarabia. I sum it up as this, mm-hmm. and this for me sums up the whole game for Wolves. Really. Yeah. You've got to. How, I mean, how old is Sarabia? Is he 29, 30? I think he's thirty. Maybe yeah, he, twenty-nine-ish. Yeah. Let, let me let me just quickly double check. It, it's going to illustrate my point. No, thirty-one. Sorry, thirty-one. Okay, thirty-one. Okay. Thirty-one. Yeah. Spanish international. Mm-hmm. Played for PSG. Mm-hmm. Sporting. Yeah. Dominated. Played well. Big big player. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> played at you know big tournaments, World Cups, the whole lot. Yeah. The whole shebang. The whole shebang. Very good career. Mm-hmm. Hasn't really done it in all shit, as I say, but he was uh, pretty anonymous this evening. And on the opposite team, you've got a 19 year old. I said in the, in the video incorrectly, I'm loan from Arsenal. He was on loan from Chelsea, but okay. he was at Arsenal before he was at Chelsea's youngster, so I can get away with it. Okay, just about. Amari um, Hutchinson, mm-hmm. on loan from Chelsea at Ipswich, 19 years old. Yeah. He was absolutely brilliant. And he scored. He scored, scored. He scored yeah. the first goal, obviously, yeah. for them. Um, that sums it up for me. Look, Wolves were just far below par, aside from that first 20 minutes. Mm. Look, Juan gets a goal, Totti gets another one, Wolves are coasting, cruising, dominating, easy. Mm. And they take their foot off the gas, they allow Ipswich even the slightest sniff of it way back into the game. Mm. They took their first chance, and from then Wolves never really recovered, never yeah. really got back into the game. And that is a testament to poor mental strength and poor leadership on the, on, the, on the pitch for me, as far as Wolves are concerned. They haven't got someone or a team that is willing to drag themselves through and get a result. Wolves of old and other teams in the top flight would have gone 2-1, would have been 2-1 up at, 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 at Ipswich. Ipswich would have got the goal back and they'd have gone and won that game 3-1, 4-1 and held their nerve. Wolves crumbled under the pressure and that for me is the biggest criticism and, and telling point of the evening. Like you say, Hutchinson was looked like the player who was exactly. decorated. He looked he looked like the international, he looked like the, exactly. the seasoned veteran. And um, I think a lot of players were showing up tonight. And when you say they made 10 changes, they did. But at the same time, these were players who either have, have played regular first-team action or a lot of these new signings who were very excited about. And really, apart from maybe Bubakar Traore aside and, and Huang before he came off, and none of them, none of them impressed. In fact, there were some woeful displays out there throughout that spine. Um, and and really concerning because a lot of these players are now not going to get a look in really until you're looking FA Cup third round action. I mean, this is this was an important competition, at least just to get some of these players some more game time minutes. But, you know, you're looking at, 
uh, fixtures to come and you've got to grind for every point. You're going to play your best team, best possible team. You haven't got time to, to bring a couple in here, bring a couple in there, give a few minutes here, give a few minutes there. Some of these guys are going to have splinters on their ass for a long time to come until January. Well, uh, you know, away from the priorities of Wolves as a team, the individuals here needed this opportunity. They needed to take this opportunity to get the minutes in the first mm. team in the Premier League. And as you say, very few of them took it. I thought Bubi Kotrari did well, and Gary Neal was full of praise for him as well after the game. He did well, you know, when he came on at Luton as well. And, and he, you know, from what we've been told, he's training really well at the moment. So, Boob was on the on the course of getting into the side. I would argue um, fairly soon. Huang took took his goal really well. It's dangerous. He was what was his best forward on the night. Understandably, came off in the sense that they're looking ahead for the Premier League. But in the context of the game, he should have stayed on uh, tonight uh, at, at Portman Road. And then aside from that, as you rightly say, we, we're struggling, aren't we? I mean, look at the new signings. Santi Bueno really struggled, I thought, mm. at times throughout that game. Looked looked off the pace. He hasn't played for a while, to, to, his, you know, to be fair to him, but he looked off the pace. He looked weak. His positioning was off. He was flat-footed, slow to react. Tommy Doyle, I lost count of the amount of times he gave the ball away. Gary Neal seemed to say that he earned some credit tonight and I, I wondered if he was watching the same game as me because I just thought Tommy Doyle was totally off, off it and I think fans felt the same. Um, I could go through the whole team, to mm -hmm. be honest. You've got players who are normally reliable. Totti Gomez, you know, I'm a big fan of him, mm -hmm. but when I praise him, I've equally got to criticise him when he doesn't perform mm -hmm. well. And aside from his goal, he, he struggled mm -hmm. for large parts of this game and he's normally very consistent and was very, very rattled easily throughout that game. I could go on, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, we, we talk about um, Jose Sarn, he's had some, some iffy games and Dan Bentley pushing, pushing him. Well, he's not pushing him now because that was that was a pretty poor display from him as well. He's worst in a wolf shirt by some distance. Yeah, the, the first two goals we had a good view of, you know, the, the pillar wasn't in the way on the side we were on um, and it looked to me like he could have done better with both of them, particularly the second one. Um, pretty much goes through him. The first one is his near post, so you would argue there's a, having not seen a replay, he's got a, should have a better chance as well. The third one, we completely, you know, tell the view of it, the pillars in the way and the press box and we you know, couldn't see it. But we not, and we still haven't seen a replay now either. There was no replays at the time available to us. But from what we're hearing from fans, it was sort of straight down the middle of the goal, albeit <coughs> a cracking strike mm. and from distance. But you would argue that, according to what I'm being told from supporters, that Bentley should be getting at least a finger to that mm. and maybe tip it over the bar. So, for a, again, uh, you know, a big character, a big leader in the dressing room, someone who I've you know been quite impressed with on and off the pitch for Wolves. You, you remember his debut, United mm. back in the last season, absolutely brilliant. Looks like he let himself down tonight and probably puts himself back a few weeks and probably doesn't, as you say, doesn't get a game for a while. Ten changes tonight for for Wolves. Ten changes for Ipswich. But when you get into that kind of a position of game management at two nil, okay, it was early in the game. But against a side, a B team, basically an Ipswich B team, and you look at the players who Wolves are, like you, you've said, Sarabi, etc. But you know, full internationals here, either either starting or coming off the bench, hundreds of millions of pounds worth of talent to go from two nil up to lose that three two, not even to get to a penalty shootout and draw that game after ninety minutes is absolutely unforgivable game management. It's naive, it's not good enough, it's pretty pathetic. And, you know, we'll come on to Gary O'Neill in a bit and his comments post-match, because I think they were very interesting, he's very open, very honest. And uh, we'll come to analyse them. But I'm sorry, I don't know, I don't know, I don't care who's managing the side, that is absolutely forgiving. And heads need to roll for that, because 
The fans who have come to Ipswich tonight who are supporting their team through thick and thin, and it's not going to be good, it's not going to be pretty, there's going to be some poor, poor displays, but that is completely and totally unacceptable, and you can't make excuses for them, I can't. I think the best way I could answer that and sort of add to that is if Wolves were 2-0 up in the Premier League, yeah. even against Man City, yeah. would a lot of people back Man City to come back into the game? Of course they would. Mm -hmm. But even against Man City, yeah. Wolves should be hold, holding on for something out of the game. doesn't matter who you're playing. If you're 2-0 mm -hmm. up in a game, mm -hmm. Wolves are a Premier League side, a seasoned Premier League side. Yeah. You have questions mark, question marks about the squad, yeah. but their squad's good enough to be 2-0 up. <clears throat> that starting eleven tonight was good enough to be 2-0 up and, and win the game, let alone get something from the game. Whoever Wolves are playing in the league or cup, they should be looking after a 2-0 mm. lead and seeing it through and to give it up so easily the way they did is the thing that concerns me the most and we spoke about in the video wherever Wolves are in games at the moment they're struggling to stay in them mm. and for me the lack of leadership is a massive problem mm. it's a massive problem and it has been arguably all last season as well well uh, case in point really Liam is and we'll bring Luton into this now as well um, this team looks very brittle this team looks ready to ready to crumble. And it looks to me the signs of this team of when Bruno was in charge of it before he lost it lost his job. You know, a bit of Steve Davis and it took Lopetegui took a, a little bit of time, I think, to to coach this out of them. But when they go ahead in games, they don't look confident, they look like a team's gonna come back. When they're leveling games, they they look like they're going to concede, and when they're losing in games, there's not a chance they're coming back. If they if they're losing a game, if they fall a goal behind, heads go down, and there's no belief in that team that they're going to turn turn a game around. So when you've got that that three headed monster, so to speak, you're not going to be getting a lot of points, and that's got to be coached out of them pretty quickly because you know there is we we are very much in the Premier League's infancy this season, but this can get away from you very quickly, and he's got to get some big put. Big performances for some players quickly. It's not an easy next few games either. I mean, you look at it's a tough, tough start to the season. But if you're not picking up points against the likes of Luton, and I mean winning those games, Bournemouth to come, these types of teams where you've got to beat. If you're not, if you're only getting a draw, well, then you, then, then you are looking over your shoulder big time. That's when you know you're in a relegation battle. Because if you if you can only draw against these these teams, or really should have lost it, then there's not a lot of hope for you this season. And we it's fine. Four games, six games gone, four points. If we get to ten games and they're on six points and the bottom of the table, or even less, then I think we're in real, real trouble here. Yeah, no, I the think The warning so. signs are there. The warning signs are there. I think you have to consider how who was at fault and to what extent. And you look at Gary O'Neill, and I think there's question marks over some of his tactics in the last couple of games, some of his selections. We criticised it at Luton. Stand by that. I don't mm -hmm. think it was the right start in eleven tonight either. Stand by that. Yeah. I don't think, to, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I don't think he was far off with the eleven. But I think there was a couple of a couple of changes there that needed to needed to take place, and probably some substitutes that needed to be made a bit earlier as well. But if you you can criticise all the way Gary O'Neill for when Wolves lose a game and for when players perform badly. Mm. But you look at Pedro Neto in the league at the moment. Gary was not getting praise for Pedro Neto performing well and performing consistently. That, for me, there's got to be a balance between Gary Neal and the players. Is he at fault for certain tactics and certain you know, setups and certain approaches to game? Yes. 
but he can only control what he can control. If, if certain players aren't playing consistently uh, well, then the, at some point it comes down to the player. But then it comes back to Gary O'Neill because he's consistently picking the same players. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a give-and-take situation. Gary O'Neill doesn't necessarily deserve praise for Neto performing well because Neto's going out there and doing the business. But he doesn't necessarily deserve criticism for, you know, pick any player out of the hat that's performing badly at the moment. So um, there's, 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 a, there's a middle ground here where the players, and many of them, are just as culpable at the moment as Gary O'Neill is, 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 is the point I'm coming to. He has made mistakes, I believe, and I've just outlined them there. And how many players are we going to come back to consistently that are not performing at the moment? Away from tonight, Craig Dawson hasn't had a good start to the season. No. And he's a player who I would back to have a good start to the season. Kilman's been okay, and I thought he was actually very good against Luton. Too. Should have started me tonight. I'm sorry. That's exactly what I was going to get on to. I think, I think you've got a very good point there, without a doubt. Huang, you know, goal scoring start to the season, doing well. And then on the other end of it, you've got, I don't know, now Smedo's had struggles and good moments. He's he's had a, mi a mixed bag. Jao Gomez and Mario Lamina in the middle. One one game, one of them will be brilliant, and, and the other terrible. And mm. then the other the other week it switches. There's so much inconsistency and almost, I mean, to the point that Gary Neal was coming on to quite a lot at the moment. Mm. A lot of individuals there, and we so made that many. we made the point in the video, didn't we? So many individuals, so many individuals that are out for themselves mm -hmm. at the moment. And you've got certain players carrying the rest of them. And you look at the leaders, you know, you look at Max Kilman now, you know, I think we've both discussed at length that we wouldn't have had Max Kilman captain. I'd rather Max Kilman concentrate on his football, to be honest. I think there's other candidates that, that would be better. However, he is captain of this football club. And for me, you look at when they've played cup competitions and seasons gone by, whether, whether it was Nuno or, you know, or Bruno, whoever, they always looked to the captain to probably play those games. Now, Wolves aren't playing many midweek games this season. You know, they're definitely not going to play too many more anyway without the Carabao Cup now. But in the league, there's not too many. There's not, you know, you're not playing in Europa League or the Conference League or the Champions League. I think that you should have had two or three players here starting tonight who, who needed minutes. But also, you know, you look at leaders. Well, if you're Max Kilman, you should be leading that side. You should be the one, the focal point where people look to for instructions. Well, there you go. Go to it on a Tuesday night and, and boss them. Show them who's boss. Show them from, from the way that you play, but also vocally. You know, give Santiago Bueno a, a couple of, a couple of um, you know, pointers. Because, you know, as good as Totti is, Totti and Santiago Bueno, there's no real cohesion there. There's no real leadership there um, from, from these guys. So... You know, I look. I looked at Connor Cody when he was captain. Connor Cody played Premier League games. If it was a Carabao Cup game on a Tuesday night, he was there playing. So was probably Moutinho and a couple of others actually. But a couple of the senior players were always there to look after. Then you can look after the other seven or eight. But you've got a couple of those focal figures. Like, oh, my head's down. Or what do I need? Oh, I need a reminder there. Oh, I've got the reminder. Thanks very much. There's nothing there. They're just eleven guys on a pitch at them at this moment in time, and there's no cohesion whatsoever. No, and I feel I don't envy Gary O'Neill in this situation because. He's he's in a he's in a position where he's needs to pick a team capable of winning. I agree, Kilman should have played tonight. But at the same time, he's got to have a look at some players. If he doesn't play, if he does play Kilman rather, you either lose a centre back or you move Totti to left back and Bueno doesn't play. Bueno deserves a chance to come in and, and I mean he did okay in forty five minutes and was taken off at half time, but he, he needs to he needs to have a look at these players. But at the same time, these same players that come in tonight and are desperate for an opportunity and really want to play and really want to have a chance to show Gary O'Neill what they can do and get themselves into the Premier League squad, and then they don't take that chance, O'Neill is going to come to his team selection against Man City on Saturday and think, 
well, what have these players done to deserve an opportunity mm. for me? And then at the same time, he's going to get criticised for not bringing new players in and taking players out that are not performing. So the balance there, and also you've got to keep the, the squad and the dressing room happy as well. Mm. I mean, it's such a difficult balance to come to, but that's where your money's made. That's where yeah. some of the best managers in the world manage to find that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, that, for me, is one of his biggest challenges now because you've got a lot of players on that pitch tonight that don't deserve to go and start in the Premier League. At the same time, you've got players in that Premier League starting eleven that probably don't deserve to be in the starting eleven. So, you've got to put eleven players out there that are capable of getting something something out of Man City, which I know we'll come on to. Is yeah, easier said than done to say the least. We're going to stick with with Gary O'Neill at this moment in time because I think I think that's a big subject amongst fans. And like I say, we'll go a different offshoots with with the games, except to what we've seen so far. And I think that's what we'll do tonight. We'll because we'll, I want to discuss his post match comments tonight, which were really interesting to hear. And and then we'll move on to to previewing Manchester City and taking the one hundred and three questions that have been sent in within a, within an hour and a half. So we'll we'll try and we'll try and get to them or as many as we can. But I'm going to take Gary O'Neill's comments here, Liam, that he said tonight in three different blocks, um, and then ask you to. Your thoughts and and really what what you think the fans the fans aren't happy, mate. The fans aren't happy. The fans are frustrated. Look, there's a lot of calls for him to go. There's a lot of calls that people have had enough already. Um, I think there's a lot of people who say, look, it's too early to too early. But there is, you know, we're, we're not stupid. We see social media, see people. They're not happy. They're not happy with the situation. Unfortunately, not happy with a lot of the way the summer went. And I think Gary was getting all the frustration, all the brunt of that. But he's making mistakes. He is making some mistakes, I think that's fair to say. So, first of all, before I forget, there's a lot of frustration tonight that Gary O'Neill, and I can't remember who it was, but there's a couple of people didn't go across to the fans. Now, if he hasn't gone across to the fans, I think that's a bad look, first and foremost. I think if you've got guys who are going all the way to Ipswich, A14 was absolutely jam-packed today. Whether you win, lose or draw, you have to go. I think you have to go collectively to the fans whether you've lost or won. I really do. So I'm, I wasn't privy to that, so I don't know too much. We'll probably find out in the next couple of days. I'm sure we'll get tweets about it, but it's a bad look. You've got to go collectively for me. You've got to say thank you because there's some amazing fans who travel the length and breadth of the country, and it's bloody expensive. And when they put in a performance like that, you're, you, you, make, you double your efforts to go across there. Even if you're getting a few fingers waved in the air and if you, you called a few names, you still go and say thank you. I agree, for what it's worth, 100%. Okay. Right, so... Gary Neal was asked tonight about um, a message for the supporters who are obviously, like I say, frustrated. This is what he said. This is the first part of what he said, Liam. The message for supporters is to stick with the group. We are six weeks in with a game every five or six days to a process. There is no magic wand. I can guarantee you when I arrived at this place was not running perfectly and ready to go into a Premier League season. There are a lot of things that need fixing. I sit here and answer the questions and I'm willing to take responsibility, but the facts are you need some times, time to put things in place. Do you agree with what he's saying? I, I do. Does that mean that Wolves shouldn't be doing better in the, you know, in the short term? No. Mm-hmm. So, look, he's right. Wolves weren't ready for a Premier League season. They lost a manager four days before the campaign started. They hadn't made many signings. They lost a lot of players. Pre-season had gone okay, but not outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolves were in a difficult position when he came in, absolutely. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he knows that. He knows what he's taken on. And 
does any manager, take Gary Neal's name out of it for the time being, does any manager need time to fix what's going on at Wolves? Yes. But in the short term, you need results as mm. well. Wolves cannot afford to go and lose the next, hypothetically, mm. go and lose the next six, seven, eight, nine, ten games and keep saying that someone needs time to make it work. Yeah. So he is he is correct. He's absolutely correct. But he also knows that he needs results. And I think he, do, he, you know, he does say that, I think, further down as well or in another answer perhaps. But, um, yeah, it's... It, it's it gets to the point where you know the club have to consider whether they stick or twist. Yeah, I mean, look, this happens all every, every season. There'll be four or five or six managers who get sacked probably in the Premier League this season. You get a new manager in that they haven't got time to to work really with the players, have they? Lopetegui when he came in, you know, he came in midway through his season. So I get that. Um, anyway, he goes on to say that did not look like a team I've worked with for very long, which it isn't. Do I accept we need to get results? Of course. Do I want the fans to enjoy every game we play and come away supporting the players? Of course. I'm going to work tirelessly to make sure we get it there and we get it and we will get in we will get it there. But the transfer window. You're struggling there. Well, no, you made you made you made you no, yourself twice. No, 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 no. If you read it properly, that's what he says. I'm going to make sure make sure we get it there and we will get it there. And we so. will get it there. Okay, so it's bad it's badly worded. It's not. Uh, it's but, the the way trans- said it. but the transfer window is closed and we need to get the maximum out of the group. When asked what needs fixing the club, O'Neill asked, added, when I arrived, the culture of the club needed a shift. Some of it needed to move into more togetherness and the way and the way they went about things was very individual focused and there wasn't a lot of structure to what they did. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Again, when I arrived, the culture of the club needed a shift. Some of it needed to move into more togetherness and the way they went about things was very individual focused and there wasn't a lot of structure to what they did. That's a that's a big, big statement there. Yeah, it's a slightly different. It's a slightly different way of saying what he's already been saying, where he was talking about some of the craziness and the rash decisions and mm. the rushes of blood, and he's you know Jose Sar with a few errors recently, and um, you know a couple of the players sort of playing on the edge rather than being disciplined and being structured. Mm. I, I, I get that. I get that. You know, he, he wants a team that's going to be expressive, but at the same time. Difficult to beat. Mm-hmm. Wolves are neither of those things at the moment. No. Um, it is interesting because a lot of his criticism, he, he doesn't name June Lopetegui and he hasn't once since he's coming. You wouldn't expect him to. But even when he's talking about fitness mm-hmm. and talking about the way things were done previously, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of criticism about the way things were done previously, in his own opinion, yeah. because each manager has a, a different way of doing things. It is actually a good group mm-hmm. in terms of Wolves have done a lot of work to bring the right characters in and adjust the you know the the leadership group and things like that. There's a good group in terms of characters and personnel. I'm talking off the pitch rather than on it, of course, at the moment. And he he, he seems to know that and agree with that, but get them working in the right way. And he's clearly not happy with with where they are. You can't really argue with that because it's. Showing that on on the pitch, if, mm. if he was happy where everything was, they'd be getting results, wouldn't mm. they? So, it is interesting because without going into the specifics, he, what was wrong with the culture beforehand, mm. and as of yet, he hasn't described it. Okay, here we go. People will say, "Oh, they did fine last year," but the truth is, they got forty-one points last year, and we made an eighty million pound profit on players in the summer. We're eighty million pounds short of where we were last year. Just take that as a phrase. I'm going to repeat it again. People will say, oh, they did fine last year, 
But the truth is they got 41 points last year and we made an 80 million pound profit on plays in the summer. We're 80 million pounds short of where we were last year. Discuss. Well, I mean, it's factually correct. <laughs> he said this a couple of times, and it doesn't sit particularly well with me, I'll be honest. I'm going to agree with you, because whether the players read anything into this or not is almost neither here nor there, and also difficult to, to gauge. But it's not exactly a vote of confidence, is it? No. That's, where, that's, that's what I take mm -hmm. from it. It is... Uh, we're, yeah, we're worse off than we were last year. I've got to try and deal with it. I've got, Do, to, I've got to try and make this, this squad work. work. And I mean, he, you know, I think it's further down here, or it might have been in a different, in a different answer. I forget. But he, he does also refer to the transfer window. Mm. He goes, mm. you know, the transfer window is closed now. It, you know, implying that yeah, I can't do anything it, about it. I this is what I'm stuck this with. This is what I'm stuck with. Exactly. I don't think those comments they're not going to help. Gonna help him. No, no I don't think they're going to help him. No. Um, is it a bit of self-preservation? Do you think yeah, a little bit of? I think so. He, he, he look, I respect Gary Neal, and and I think he, he does talk well on a lot of occasions. It felt a little bit like. He was fighting in that press conference a bit today, and not with us. I mean, I don't mean aggressively. Mm. I mean he was trying to get the messages across to fans. It was a damage limitation. Dam exercise. Damage. That's the that's the phrase I'm looking for. Damage limitation. It felt like he was trying to um, make it clear that if this does go belly up in the next few weeks, it's not all my fault, mm. basically. Yeah. Um, Which you can understand. Of course, look, he's, 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 he's an individual with a reputation. He's a proud former professional. He's, he's a manager in, the, in a Premier League club. This is what managers do. Look, I'm not criticising him for it necessarily. Do I think I don't think it's going to help him in the, in the long run? That's just my opinion. And I think it was a case of him trying to protect himself a little bit. Um, and these will be comments that perhaps will we'll come back on in months months to months to come and, and, and you know they'll be quite telling I'm sure. Um absolutely right. Last part of it. I played I played that Wolf side when I was manager of Bournemouth fairly late on in the season and I know exactly where it was and exactly what it could or couldn't do. Talking about Wolves as the opposition. We need to move it from that in a more difficult situation now than the club was then. Of course again alluding to it. They are the facts of the job. I understand that when I took it, I understand it now. Every weekend is not going to be rosy. We're going to suffer from tough weekends and we're going to need to crack on and go again. I mean, again, this is him not saying it directly, but referring back to the job Lopetegui he did last mm -hmm. season. And it is essentially putting a dampener on the job that Lopetegui he did last mm -hmm. season, if we're being perfectly honest. He's saying everyone thinks Lopetegui did a superb job. Mm -hmm. Wolves were brilliant last season, when in fact they weren't. They scraped over the line and we're now worse off than where they were last year. Now, I might be, I might be being slightly harsh there no, in, fine, in, yeah. in, in the phrasing because he's clearly not saying that directly. But indirectly, he's saying that, again, the job I've got is tough because this team only just survived last year and the team is worse off now than it was last year, is what he's saying. It's the same point as previously, mm -hmm. but in another way of saying it and referring back to what Wolves were last year and he's sort of implying there as well with I know exactly where where they were and, and what they could or couldn't do he's sort of implying that Wolves weren't a very good team last year mm -hmm. as well um, and that he's now having to put right the wrongs of the last what 18 months or so with what he believes is a, is a squad that is worse off yeah um, look this you know I said you know they got 41 points last year they made £80 million profit on players. Well, they did get 41 points last year, but their form when Lopetegui took over was top-half form. 
to get them to 13th. So Because the first know, half of the season was so Because the first bad. half was so bad under Bruno. But, you know, if, you, if you're talking about that, you're talking about the situation, then they did show, you know, almost European form in the way that they finished the, finished the season. Okay, it, it did drift off the last, drop off the last few games. But at the same time, the stark contrast is they've gone from 20th to 13th pretty quickly. £80 million. Yeah, that's right. But really, if you look at it, £80 million, there's only really one out-and-out first-team player that's gone there from the £80 million. That's Ruben Neves. You can argue Mateus Nunes, but I think he was very replaceable last year. I don't think he made much of a difference in games. But you look at the players who have left and the players that have sold for the rest of that money. You know, Nathan Collins, Connor Cody, etc., some of the periphery players. These were guys who weren't getting into the side regularly. These weren't guys who weren't getting, you know, game time. Even Jean Moutinho wasn't getting game time towards the end. So really, yes, you can. But you can spin that figure as much as you want to do. Now, I, I agree to a certain extent, but at the same time, he's saying he's basically saying we've lost a lot of quality and we haven't replaced it with quality, is what he's saying. Um, but I think it's a bit of a cop-out, and if he keeps on peddling that, I don't think it's a good look. No, because I think you've also got to take the responsibility. And he does and he does allude back to that and say, look, I'll take responsibility, I'm here to answer the questions, etc., etc. And I think he answers a lot of the questions that we put to him quite well, to his credit. I just felt there was it was perhaps a little bit too much of self-preservation mode in some of those answers today. Mm. I think he was feeling the pressure. Um, I don't really blame him for that because I think if we were in the same position, we'd be trying to protect ourselves a little bit as well. And I come back to my earlier point. There's a lot of players that aren't helping him. There's, mm. there's players that deserve just as much, if not more, criticism because mm. he can set the team up in whatever way he wants. And there's been times I agree with it and times I disagree with it. And I've, I know, you know, I've already outlined those mistakes I think he's made. But at the times when I have agreed with how he's set up and Wolves have gone out and lost a game, a lot of that will be down to individuals and the players that are on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Gary Neal can do so much, he can't go out there and kick and head the ball for them. Um, there's got to be a, a joint uh, ownership of the responsibility here and some of the players are, are getting away with it. I think it's a really important point to keep, keep coming back to. Um, before we move on, uh, I've got to say one selection... Um, I guess, shocked tonight. We were talking on the car and Gary O'Neill alluded to this um, after the looting game in his post-match. First of all, he said, I'm desperate to win against Ipswich. Desperate. Well, the players didn't match that desperation tonight, that's for certain. So the fact that he was he was so strong on it and they've come out and, and lost tonight in the, the way they have looks even worse for me. It's a bad look. And the second was that he alluded to the fact that he would pick players who were pushing in training and... It was a strange line that he used. I can't remember it word for word, but he basically said the players will play, will be making changes, and the players who will start the game will be the players who deserve to start the game. In essence, what he was saying, yeah. You know, so I was, we were both quite intrigued as to what first team players or the, the lineups that he would name tonight would be missing out, would not be starting that game. And lo and behold, when the teams get announced, there's no Fabio Silva in that lineup. Not only is there no Fabio Silva in that lineup, but. Mateus Cunha, who you could understand, I guess, comes comes off the bench with Nathan Fraser, who we all love Nathan Fraser. We all think that he's a very good prospect. But the fact that Fabio Silva, who who Wolves were desperate to keep, you know, Matt Hobbs, huge fan, Gary Neal, desperate to keep, you know, Jeff Shee, desperate to keep. Of course, we did the interview with him last Monday and, um, you know, spoke very, very well. Wanted to stay because of the fans. Given the number nine shirt, started the season played the last round in the Carrow because he wanted to, to to get a game, scored. And this was only three or four weeks later, and he looks like 
He's been bombed out at this moment in time. He's gone from first choice striker to fourth or fifth. He is way down this list. And for Nathan Fraser to come on ahead of him in a game when they're chasing, when they need to score, and you're sat on the bench. Yes, he came on towards the end. Thought he did okay, actually. But but to come on after them is a massive custard pie. No, it is. I mean, he actually only came on eight minutes after Fraser and Cooney. Mm -hmm. So it, it looks slightly better for him because of that. But I'm being slightly kind there, to mm -hmm. be honest. We were discussing on the, on the drive here, weren't we, earlier today, that looking at those comments from from uh, from Gary O'Neill and you know the kind of players that may or may not come in and play, if Fabio Silva, Sarabia or Kalajic, if one of any of those three players didn't start the game, mm -hmm. it seemed pretty obvious to us that there was an issue or at least O'Neill was unhappy with where they were. Lo and behold, it was Fabio Silva. Um, I was very surprised he didn't start the game. He actually did okay when he came on, but as I say, look, eight minutes after Nathan mm -hmm. Fraser's already been introduced and the fact that he turns to him first is a big message. Huge. I, people, Some people will think, and I'm sure Gary Neal might think, that we're reading too much into that, but we even asked him after the game about it as well, and he says he needs to work really hard, as does other people as well. So he did, he did you know... Push the, the the message out to others as well, but he was pretty clear that he was unhappy with mm -hmm. how it's been going recently for for Fabio, and that he needs to do more. That was a massive message from him tonight. Not starting in the first place and then bringing Fraser on ahead of him. Yeah, Fabio will be well aware of the message that's been put to him. Yeah. Um, how does how, how does Fabio come back from this, and where does Fabio come back from this? Because you know I can't see him starting from nowhere against against. Manchester City. I mean, this he, could be a yeah. long road back for him. He probably doesn't start for a few weeks now, does he? Maybe even until after the international break at the very wow. earliest. And he probably, well, he has to do everything right on the training ground. It's as simple as that. You've got to, you've got to do, do control what you can control, mm -hmm. and that is putting everything in, in the, on the training. And, and to be honest, I've heard no suggestion that he hasn't been doing that. If if I had, I'd, I'd have mentioned it here. I've heard from no one that he isn't doing that. Mm -hmm. But even if you are doing it, continue to do it. You've got to do exactly that and your chance will come. But then when the chance does come, you have to perform. And there were games recently off the bench the way I don't, I, he didn't perform to the best of his abilities. He did all right off the bench today, but it was you know, too late really for mm -hmm. where Wolves were in the game. And um, his chance will come again, absolutely. But it's now about taking it and that's uh, a big task. Yeah. Um, right, just a, a couple of things before we get on to some... Questiones. Uh, first of all, the Sasha Kalajic documentary has come out, part three, the long-awaited part three. Um, just a fantastic piece of, of, you know, just, I mean, just telling a story, but telling it so emotionally. Um, and the production team have done a fantastic job. I, I know, obviously, things are going wrong at this moment in time on the pitch, but I think everybody agrees that the Sasha story is very emotional, very real, very raw. And if you have watched the first two episodes, please, I implore you to go and watch the third. Um, it's the, I guess the dream ending for him. They got the dream ending. We discussed it when, when Everton scored that winner against Everton. So that is something that if you've got 20 minutes, 25 minutes, Yanni and, and of course, Josh Peach as well, who produced and directed it, um, brilliant job from them. And if you do enjoy it, watch it, leave a comment. Um, I'm sure the guys would appreciate it. And it's just a nice piece of, of brilliance and, and, you know, such an emotional documentary. Um, that I would just say, just just take 20 minutes out. And if you haven't seen the series yet, again, watch part one or part two, then there you go, there's an hour for you. And uh, just try and get away from, I guess, the doom and gloom of, of Wolves at this moment in time. And it's a real feel-good story. 
Yeah, spot on. Um, he's a good guy, Sasha. Really good guy. Uh, you know, really enjoyed interviewing him in pre-season. I think he's a good footballer. And uh, what he's been through, it's nice to see him back and, well, scoring a goal and hopefully more to come. And do you feel, I mean, he didn't really get into the game too much tonight, did he? Do you feel that he's someone who will have to play a certain way to, to get him starting a game? Gary Neal seems to think that he's a bit of the way off still with his fitness, I feel. Um, not quite ready, uh, at least for a Premier League start. Do you do you agree with that? Or do you think that Wolves might need to change and accommodate a Kalajic with a second striker? for Wolves to to try and be a little bit more threatening? I think he did okay in the early parts of the game today um, and then very quickly tailed off, I think, alongside the way that the rest of the team were playing, really. I feel like the majority of Wolves' strikers perform better with someone next to them and I think he's no different. So I would like to think that there'll be a change in structure and system, coming, th especially with Bellegarde now injured because he's really the kind of player that changes the way Wolves are going to start a game and and line up with him being more of an attacking midfielder. So I would like to see two strikers going forward. I mean, maybe not for City, but but um, I, there's something there with Sasha. You've just got to get out with him. He's clearly been a bit frustrated recently. He looked a little bit frustrated after the game as well. Nothing you know particularly bad, but he was chatting to O'Neill on, on his way off and looked a little bit um, annoyed, I think, with the way that the, the evening had gone. There's a player there... But I think he needs a little bit of help as well and probably isn't ready to start Premier League games from, mm. from what I've seen so far. OK, you ready for some questions? I'm ready. There's a okay. lot. Well, we're not going to get to all 107 now, I think it is. Uh, but here we go. Rich says, Why is O'Neill harping on about changing the culture of a team that had just come from bottom of the table to comfortably stay in the league? Playing as a team is what kept us uh, afloat. He's saying there were too many individuals. I think that's a it's a pretty fair point. I think obviously Wolves have had quite a lot of changes to the squad since then, so there's you know that that point only goes so far because of the, the because of those changes. But really, I sort of answered it in my previous answer on this podcast already. That I, I can't really sort of put my finger on what it is that has changed or needs changing, because albeit there has been changes, there have been a lot of members members of this squad that kept Wolves in the league last year, so. You know, it's something we're really going to have to follow up on, really, to, to try and get to the bottom of. Matt Burslam says, Jeff Shee was at the match tonight. The big question, will he drive back tonight to clear Gary's office for him? Or will he be straight back on the plane first class to China with a grin on his face, enjoying his huge salary increase? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think there's going to be any news or movement on Gary O'Neill. You know, he said this in the last podcast, said again now because we've spoken to people again this evening that... Um, you know, sources and, and the people we speak to are giving us the uh, indication that Wolves are sticking by Gary O'Neill. They believe that he's doing the right things on and off the pitch to get Wolves in the position they need to be. Um, and they think the results, results are going to come. Obviously, fixtures <laughs> may mm -hmm. determine that because, of course, there's a tough run coming up. But they're very um, strong on him staying. They're, they're, they? they're very strong there's on not, him staying. Not, there's no... I mean, I know a lot of people discussing, you know... Is it on a game-to-game -game basis? That that's not the case, is it? it doesn't doesn't seem that way. Um, we're we're being told it's you know very strong at the moment that, that, that they're sticking by him. But as we did in the last podcast, we have to say this and have to caveat this with: we know what professional modern football is like. If Gary O'Neill goes and loses, hypothetically goes and loses the next five six games, mm. 
is he going to be Wolves manager? The chances are very slim because he cannot afford, especially with some of the games coming up after the international break, uh, you know, some of the away fixtures, Bournemouth, Sheffield United away, these kind of fixtures. Mm. Wolves need results in the short term as well as planning for the long term. And for all of the good work that the club believe he's doing off the pitch to change the culture and change uh, the, the dynamic in the dressing room, you need results in the mm. short term because what is going to be most, at the end of the day, what's going to be most important to Wolves come May next year? Will it be where Gary and Neil's employed, employed, or will it be which league Wolves are in, mm. and it will be which league Wolves are in? That's what's most important to them. As it stands, they're backing him, and they and they want to continue backing him. But you also got to have in mind mm. that he needs results, and Wolves need something to say. Right, that's where the work is coming to fruition mm-hmm. for what he's doing. That's mm-hmm. why he's backing us up. So we're not expecting anything imminently, put it that way. But I think it's uh, and it won't be a game to game basis as it stands. Mm-hmm. But he does need results in the short term as well. You know, he he talks about Gary about he didn't have a lot of time, and he didn't have a lot of time. He comes into the job and it's very quick, and you play Manchester United four days later. Uh, by the way, probably their best performance, definitely apart from maybe the first half against Liverpool, ironically. Um, so if you're judging him by that, they only had four days and they play a performance like Manchester United, then or was you know people say was that Lopetegui or was that was that Gary O'Neill? But end of the day, that was their best performance, a complete performance over 90 minutes since he's been in charge. It's not even close, really. Um, and yes, you haven't got a lot of time, but if you're Gary O'Neill, you're jumping at that chance. I mean, of course you have to take that opportunity. It's a fantastic opportunity whether you like it or not. But. If I'm at the start of the season, I'm thinking, okay, if I'm coming into this four days and I see the squad that I've got, if I see the quality of the squad that I've got, if I see the players that I've got, even if he was taken and he was said, okay, this is the squad of players you've got now, but this is the squad you're going to players you're going to have on September the first, and you've given him that, I think if you the majority of managers look at those squads and look at the other Premier League squads, look at that Wolves squad and go, well, regardless, that 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 Wolves squad shouldn't go down. You know, if you get the best out of those players, I would rather manage that with a few days' notice than probably five, six, or seven other clubs that I could have for two months going into the off season. So I get it, but also at the same time, there's some of these players and this squad that is there's a lot of other teams that are way below us that you you can do your very best with, but you know you're just going to get beat. And that's I guess that's what you've got to weigh up for me. Yeah, Wolves should be better off than they are, but equally they've had, to, they've had some tough fixtures as well, haven't they? But then they perform against United and Liverpool and don't do do the same mm. against Luton, particularly in that first half. They've so. had some tough fixtures, Liam, but at the same time, you know, you you get absolutely outthought. By the way, no, I, I completely outthought, agree. Gary, you got outthought there, outfoxed. It was an embarrassing situation at Luton. Changing tactics midway for the first half, sending a coach round the other side of the pitch to try and get some messages across to Huang, who didn't know what was he was doing at right wing back before the the Luton players, the Luton fans, you know, cottoned on and the fourth official had to move him away like they didn't know it. I mean, that was basically League One, League Two football and coaching tactics. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to watch. Lee. No, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. And that's where it comes back to this criticism of Gary Neal in terms of. Some in-game management decisions, some tactical decisions. I think he's got it wrong. I mean, the on, Everton on a, game on a couple of occasions. The Everton game that they've got the, the only win of the season. They got battered. They were battered. Oh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a smashing. <laughs> it was the biggest smashing grab going. So, you know, I mean, th- thank God they got the Clydes got them that win because if they didn't, then you know we would be talking here and and you know you could understand the frustration. I can understand the frustration now. All right, let's move on to some of the questions. Uh, only another one hundred and one to go. Um, <laughs> 
I mean, there's a lot of doom and gloom, as you can understand. Dave says, can we just can we just write the Premier League off and get relegated now? Save us eight months of misery. Imagine a year without the misery that is Wolves. Sounds like bliss. And I need something to do to get paid. So <laughs> can we, we keep it rolling, please? Um, John Charlesworth, how can we salvage a season of certain relegation when we have a squad that lacks leadership, depth, vision, organisation and a manager who at the present moment in time seems to be totally inept of solving these problems? That's a pretty strong opinion. Um, I obviously agree with some of those points. I think that you mentioned leadership. There's a couple of the things that I've spoken about in this podcast that I would agree with some of those points. Um, I don't want to completely shoot down a listener in a question, but I think it's very silly at this point, what is it, the 27th of September, to be saying that Wolves are certain to be relegated. Yes, it's been a, a pretty rubbish start to the season, I don't think in September you can say Wolves are certain to be relegated. As, as far as we're concerned, we think Sheffield United and Luton are going to go down this mm-hmm. season. Are they certain to be relegated right now? Not even close. Mm-hmm. It's impossible for yeah. them to be. I just think it's it, it's so much of an overreaction that a lot of football fans get dragged into. And we're both football fans. We, we, yeah. We've been there. We've done it. We get it. It's an emotional thing. I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can get dragged into it. You can be critical, yes. Mm-hmm. You can't say certain mm-hmm. relegation at this yeah. point. Ian Newman, what day are you having the barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> and, on, and on that certain relegation <laughs> note... <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you, I'm going to have to... What, what sausage people like? Is it pork? Is it beef? Is it turkey? Is it chicken? Chicken sausages are good, but pork's probably the go-to, isn't it? Is it pork? Is it really? Pork's probably the go-to. I like a good beef it? sausage, mate. Excuse me? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, Late night bow chicken wow-wow. 12 past one. <laughs> I d- I don't even know what a beef sausage is. Some sausage made out of beef. What are you talking about, you moron? No, but I didn't even know that was a thing. What beef sausages? Are you are you on glue? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am after watching that display. I did, I, honestly, I've got no idea what you're talking what? about. I tell you what, if they do go down, Gary O'Neill is bloody cooking. I tell you that because I'll be fuming. I'll be fuming. <laughs> I'll be. Can I be behind the bar? He might have to be a chef by the end of that. He might have to go to barbecue. Cranky. Uh, Ashley says. Gary O'Neill seems to be losing the dressing room already. Kilman is a nice guy, but no captain. His attributes to be a leader by example, but we need a vocal leader of men to drag out a performance. We need an evolution on how we are playing soon. Are we in big trouble? What's your opinion? Uh, again, it's similar to my previous answer, where you know there's there's assumptions made about losing the dressing room. None of the assumptions, none of the indications I've got from people I speak to is that that is anywhere near the case. Have they been performing well enough for him on the pitch? Definitely not. And that you can read into that to some extent. Um, and a lot of the points you make about leadership and Kilman being a captain, I, I agree with without a doubt. You know, I think that's a criticism I've made quite a few times on the podcast. You can't come to the conclusion at this stage that he's lost the dressing room without the evidence there to support it. The atmosphere around Wolves and the squad and the dressing room is actually still fairly good. It's about maintaining that and getting the results at the same time, which is going to be difficult without the results coming. So... Yeah, I think just you need to, and this isn't me defending Gary Neal because I, was, I you know, I've made you know my criticism of him on here as well. I just think it's unfair to jump to so many conclusions without having the evidence to back it up. Really, I'm going to ask you a question, Liam. Here, um, end of the season or next start of next season, wherever they are, is Gary Neal in charge of Wolverhampton Wanderers? That's a tough question. End of this season, start of next season. Oh, I don't know. I've got you. You've got one thousand pounds, double or squits. You get the right answer. Start of next season is Gary Neal in charge in the dugout first game of the season. Yes, yes. I've gone for it. 
thousand pounds. Gary O'Neill is in charge. The start of next it's not season. Not much money to me, you see. So it's no, fine. Wow, just throw okay. it away. Wow. No, I'm but yeah, no. But um, explain. I think that I've seen enough signs in the performances and the quality in the squad for him to get enough to get through the season. Now, that's not a very ambitious statement, and I, and I get that. But do I think Wolves are going to do anything special this year? No, definitely not. And we've said this from the beginning of the, com- of the campaign as well. I think there's enough there. We've seen enough in certain performances. We've, not, we've seen a lot of bad performances as well, don't get me wrong, but we've seen enough in certain performances to say that there are the makings of a fairly comfortable you know, middle-of-the-bottom-half side. And if he can get enough results to put that together, I think he gets. I think he gets this season, and he gets the summer going into next season. But that's, that's there's a lot of big ifs there. But okay. if, if that does happen, I think he gets that. I'll give you another scenario. Gary Neal stays in charge for the, until at least the back end of this season. They're in a relegation battle. They lose that relegation battle and go down under O'Neill. Is Gary Neal in charge oh, of Wolves in the Championship? That's really tough. I could see a world where he is, to be honest, because I think... That there There'll was... be people throwing their crap at this radio or whatever they're listening to at this moment in time with a couple of these answers. But it's interesting. I think it's important that you can say and you can say why that, that, that might happen. No, I think I think there's a genuine chance he is because... Even if they went down. Even if they went down, because it, it depends on how far through the season a decision is or isn't made. If they get through to it's so far gone, they're like we're just going to have to stick with him to see how the season pans out. It, it may be a case of giving him the summer and giving him the following season. If not, there'll be a stick or twist moment where they might go right December. Mm-hmm. We've got to cut our losses here and go for someone else. So that's going to be play a big part in it. But there were, according to reports anyway, championship clubs that were looking at him. There were clubs that that were that were keen on him. There were clubs before I think even before you. Had the Luton, had the um, Bournemouth job. Sorry, I think Luton were one of the clubs. In fact, that's why it's on my mind. Um, were, were interesting before they came up. So, I think where he is in the game and the way that his reputation is in the game, I think there were a lot of Championship clubs that would see him as a good option. Mm. And as a result of that, I could see Wolves thinking, right, he's here still. He's still our manager. We haven't got rid of him yet. It might be worth us going for it. But I think it depends on how far along the season they go with keeping him in the in, in the role. The, there's a lot of again, there's a lot of big issues, yeah. here, so it's, it's the, difficult to call. The issue that I would challenge that with to a, to to a, to slightly disagree with you. I'm not saying that it's definitely going to happen. Is and this would be a change for me in in tactics. I understand Matt Hobbs was massive in in this appointment. He was and probably different from other managers and other hire, hires that they've made previously. Um, in, in Bruno and Lopetegui, this was very much a Matt Hobbs um, appointment and Jeff was in China. But they've reacted to fan reaction a lot of the time, fan sentiment, fan thoughts. When it's become vocal, when it's become vociferous, when it's become uncomfortable, they've kind of listened to them. And I think Jeff is obviously very big on social media and if they win a relegation battle, if they kept on losing games for me there would be a watershed moment and a watershed game and previously they would have sacked a manager after that remember the West Ham game watershed moment for yeah. Bruno there was there was all you know I feel like that will come this season there will be a, I feel like regardless of the way the Wolves there will be a watershed moment and a watershed game it'll probably get better before it gets it'll probably gets worse before it gets yeah. better won't it yeah yeah whether that might be a defeat to Aston Villa at home coming yeah. up soon, yeah, or, true. or you know, or you know, a defeat at Bournemouth, or a defeat, 
you know, somewhere like, I think a Sheffield United away game looks massive. But what I'm saying to you is, if that happens and they do lose a big game like that, history says they would have they will get rid. Now it would take a change, a complete change in philosophy and a ballsy call, because the fans will be fans. Fans are furious now. If that continued, it would take a massive call for them to say no. We're sticking, and we're going to carry on with this. Yeah, I think I think it's a really important point. In fact, it, it was a point I was meant to make, and it slipped my mind. So I'm glad you, okay. I'm glad you brought it up. You're welcome. You're here to keep me in check. Um, Matt Hobbs, obviously, as you say, made this appointment. He was given sort of autonomy over the decision. He did the interviews and he made the appointment while Jeff she was away at the time. Jeff she has the final say at Wolves. Always has done, always will do, as long as he's here and as long as as long as folks are in charge. If he is had enough and makes a decision, regardless of the fact that Matt Hobbs made the appointment, and he of course he'll take He'll take advice and opinions from the people around him, but he makes sure. the, he makes the final decision. His call. It's his call. If he gets to the point where he's had enough, he will make a big decision mm-hmm. and he will let a manager go. So that's that's absolutely true, and that for me is is the biggest factor going against Gary O'Neill in that he will have the support of Matt Hobbs and have the support of the footballing department because they employed him, they want him to succeed as much as everyone else does. Now Jeff She, of course, he wants him to succeed. But at the end of the day, the book stops with him with the decisions. And if he has to make a decision f- to protect Fosun's asset and protect his own reputation, then Jeff She will make a decision and will make a big decision. So that for me is, to your point, mm-hmm. what will put the final nail in Gary O'Neill's coffin if it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. And um, as, I, as I just said as well a second ago, it will probably get worse before it gets better, which... I'm sorry for those listening. It's not exactly a uh, you know an exciting prospect yeah. at this point. I mean, there's so many questions about Gary O'Neill when he's going to get sacked. I, I you know we I think we've kind of discussed really what our feelings are in the situation and tried to um, let you understand where Wolves are at this moment in time. At the end of the day, it's how long how long is a piece of string? We hope that strings really long because we hope that if he doesn't get sacked it looks like the Wolves will be doing okay in the league you would expect um, so you know hopefully he's going to be in charge for a while but that's only because you, you'd assume results will pick up I, I agree Liam I, I, don't, I don't think if you keep on losing games or you let's say you don't keep on losing you don't win any games and you carry on going forward um, I do think it's the part of it is the way that these games are going to unfold as well I think that's part of it but yeah, you can't go and lose the next five games and say that he's still safe. You just can't. If you go, if you lose the next five games on the bounce, he's he, he is in trouble. He will be at, in trouble at, at, at the least. In trouble at the least, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. Um, if he gets to that stage already, uh, things happen quickly in football. You know, we we've got the the impression that from our sources and the people we speak to, and and and, um, and the impression is that they're they they are aware of the work he's doing. The process he's going through, they believe it will turn good and, and it will come good. Um, but if that doesn't happen in the short to medium term with those kind of fixtures coming up, then decisions will be, will be made eventually. Uh, JM says, um, are less cup games a good thing or a bad thing for Wolves at this point? Always nice to have opportunities for rotation players and potential trophy 
But are we at the point already where we have to start solely focusing on the Premier League fixtures? To, to be honest, probably it is. <laughs> I mean, Wolves would never have said, yeah, let's lose this game tonight, of course not. But yeah, I think it's a good question. And I think it probably is a good thing for Wolves, to be honest. Sam says, and I said earlier on, where's the heart gone? A few seasons ago, we were the king of late goals, second half performances. Even after the Nuno period, we saw flashes, the awesome comeback against Villa. All that seems to have gone. Was Neves inspiring the squad all by himself? I mean, he was, he was a big part of it, wasn't he? Um, Wolves are a damn squib at the moment, aren't they? They, they can't muster up the courage or the confidence or the guts to be able to put anything together late in games or even halfway through games at the moment. Um, it's, a bit, it's just a bit embarrassing at the moment. Wolves are, seem very weak, put it that way. Joe Football says, is it time for us to re-adopt the five at the back? I'm not against it. Um, if you're going to play three centre-backs and not play Johnny or Matt Doherty or someone else as part of the three centre-backs, if you're going to play three actual centre-backs um, and play some attacking flair players in the right positions moving forward, um, yeah, I'm not against it, but it, the, the, the personnel there is a massive thing. Adrian, was Hobbs set up to fail by she two weeks to bring in a replacement on the cheap? I, I wouldn't say set up by she, no, because June Lopetegui made the decision he was walking. Um, it was actually Lopetegui's decision to say, I'll stay until you get someone to replace me. Because otherwise he'd have walked you know, around the Dublin trip, wouldn't he? So um, I don't think she's she's set up uh, Hobbs to fail, but at the same time he's, he's had a bloody hard job to make it work. And he's come to... He definitely distanced himself from the appointment though, hasn't he? Oh, no, 100%. I mean, you know, staying yeah. in China, you do it, not even speaking to the manager before... And there's a, quite a few questions here about should the heat fall on Jeff Shee at this moment in time with the way the situation is? For the specific appointment of um, of Gary O'Neill, no, because he didn't make that decision. But the overall position Wolves are in, the book stops with Jeff Shee. It, it does, and it always will do. Do you feel the fans are more frustrated with... I mean, obviously, we see it all in the, the, the venting on Gary O'Neill. Do you feel that they are venting on Gary O'Neill more than Jeff Shee, or do you feel that Jeff Shee's the one that they're targeting at this moment in time? It's not often I uh, would admit this. I don't actually know because quite often Jeff has got a lot of stuff on social media and then I think when it gets into things in the stadium, there's been other targets. Mm -hmm. when, it, when there's got to a moment when fans have boiled over. At the moment in time, I think there's a lot of fans that for as much as they'll be annoyed and angry and disappointed and frustrated, whatever it might be with Jeff Shee, I think there's a lot of fans right now that aren't actually having Gary O'Neill mm -hmm. and that... That's why I fear for him a little bit, to be honest, if it does turn in in the stadium. Um, and I hope he turns it around in time for that not to happen. Um, and, I, and I come back to my same point. I hope some of the players do him a favour um, mm. and turn it around for him as well. Do you feel that some but of the I, players are playing for him there? Do you feel he's inspiring players? It, without being in the room, it's difficult to say. But from the performances we've seen, there's players that certainly don't seem up for it as much as they should do. Do you know one player that I feel like... I've been really disappointed with this season and he was a real favourite of mine and kind of caught everybody's imagination last year. And he just looks a bit sad. He doesn't look himself. I don't think his performances are anything like what he can deliver, even though he's such a young age and he was raw. And that's Shao Gomez. Hasn't really done much for me this season yet. And comes on tonight, didn't do much for me again. And I feel like that's the type of guy who would be, you know youthful enthusiasm inspired ready to go starting games i just feel like apart from the odd decent 45 minutes here and there 
kind of is the antithesis of what's been going on this season, just just really under par. I couldn't disagree with you more. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. You, you thought I was going to say the opposite, mm. but mm. it's not often that we, we come to blows no, like this. No, no, no. There could be a scrap in the hotel room. No, maybe, yeah. Uh, one bed. <laughs> in the one bed. <laughs> um, he was absolutely magnificent against Man United, and I could, and there's a few other performances that have come into into that into that as well. My criticism comes from him and Lamina, aside from maybe United and one, or, and one or two others, him and Lamina have been almost chopping and changing between good performance, bad performance in-game. Mm. So one week it's one and then one week it's the other. They haven't really performed together for a while. But I see someone in Jao Gomez who's so desperate for it to work and he's, he runs himself into the ground. Like he's almost going to throw up on the pitch because he wants it to work so badly. I, now, has the quality been there all the time? No, I'd agree with that. Mm. There's been very good spells where the quality has been there. But there's been certain games where he's been poor. There was one recently, I forget exactly the opposition, but he was he was really under par. Um, he was okay at Luton, mm. but nothing special. I thought Lamina mm. was definitely better. Mm-hmm. So on that point, I would agree. Mm. But I think he's the kind of player, he's just so, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's so full-blooded. I think he's absolutely desperate for it to work. And I, th- I don't think it's for a lack of inspiration or trying on his part. He, he's one of the few players, in fact, I wouldn't say that to. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure where he's, whether they found the right position for him yet. That's all I'm saying. I feel like... Lamida is overloaded. I mean, he's covering so much ground. I mean, he saw it at Luton again. He is shattered. He's absolutely... He was out his feet, wasn't he? He needs more yeah. help. But is that Joe Gomez's role? Or or is that... You know, I mean, obviously, they try, they, we haven't even talked about Bellegarde yet. But but I feel like that the way they're setting themselves up, Lamina is almost doing too much work you To be honest, I think they're too similar. Mm. I think they're too similar, the, the way they play. Neither of them are... I mean, and Jao Gomez is maybe slightly better at this than Lamina is, but neither of them are supremely technical, ball-playing, cross-field passes, you know, technical maestros with the ball. Mm. They're both pit bulls, mm. hard-working players, tough tacklers, mm-hmm. cover every blade of grass. They are a bit too similar for me, and I think that's a really genuine question mm-hmm. mark against them. That's why someone like Tommy Doyle's come in, because they need someone who's technical, really good with the ball, a great passer. He's raw, young, not, you know, experienced in the Premier League. Mm. And I didn't think he played very well at all today uh, against Ipswich. So I don't think Wolves in that midfield, they've got a lot of heart and a lot of fights in that midfield. I don't think they've got a lot of on-the-ball quality. The the only reason I allude to this, Liam, is, and we've both discussed at the top of the show, Bubakar Traore was probably the standout in the in inverted commas backups who have come in there. Trailer a bit different, he's more of a first team player, but had his injury issues and has come back and, and I think it's starting to look like the Bubakar Troy of last year when he played well. Um and Gary O'Neill said himself that he's probably the, the one who would be pushing for for a start come Saturday and and is kind of ready to go. I just wonder whether we might see Bubakar Troyer in place of someone like Jago Gomez. Now not probably not now, but if Bellegarde was fit and ready to go then I could see Gomez dropping out and, and Bubakar Troyer coming in. Because because um, Bellegarde is out and suspended, they could all three play, actually, in that in that midfield spot. But I feel like he might have been the person to drop out if Bellegarde was available. I think whether it's this weekend or in the next few weeks, maybe before or after the international break, in the next few games at the very least, I'd be gobsmacked if Troyer doesn't start a Premier League game. I think he comes into that starting level. And whether that's in place of... A Jao Gomez or Lamina or alongside mm. them, I'd be gobsmacked if he doesn't start a Premier mm. League game because all of the indications in terms of 
him off the bench against Luton, performance tonight at Ipswich, and the way he's been training according to Gary O'Neill and the way Gary O'Neill has been yeah. praising him, all of it is trending towards Gary O'Neill starting him mm -hmm. because he's going to need players he can rely on and players that will run for him. Mm -hmm. And I think Bukar will do that. Okay, uh, last uh, two or three questions before we uh, preview Manchester City. What time are we at the moment? Let's have a look. Well, it's 1.30 in the morning and uh, an hour and seven minutes in. Okay, uh, here we go. Where did they go? Okay, here we go. Uh, I like this one. Uh, first of all, I don't like this one. I like this uh, one after this. Um, Wolves first. Give me one reason, Liam, why we should have any belief that this side will not get relegated. <laughs> Tough. Um, but I will stand by the fact that I think there's enough quality there. I really do. Um, goals worry me. I think if Wolves can short this defence, which I think it's been proven it's capable of doing, Wolves will get enough results to see them through. It's about the timing of, of it and getting enough players behind the project. So there's a lot of ifs and a lot of work to do to do that. But I think I think it's I think they're, I think they're more than capable of doing it. I just think they need a, a little bit of stroke of luck, something to go their way, get them up and running, and uh, it will fall. There's a few people asking this. Um... Why did we give Gary Neal a three-year contract with the financial situation so dire? Does this make him impossible to sack? Does it make him impossible to sack? Definitely not. Um, we were both surprised that he got a three-year deal. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know what the ins and outs of that deal is. Like, it might not be that they pay him off for three years. Let's say if they did sack him. Let's say in six games they have to sack him. They don't have to pay him out for two and a half years. I don't think that would be the case. I'm sure that there's different situations. Well, it, it, depends, it depends. Of course it does. We don't know what yeah, the exactly. clauses are in the contract. Um, yeah, I think we were both surprised, as you said, that he got a three-year. But that that comes back to the everything we've been told by our sources, the people we speak to, mm. that Wolves are backing him and think he's the man. So um, that backs that up, whether you agree with it or not. Um, but no, it doesn't make him impossible to sack. Wolves will be in a position to sack him if they want to, mm. of course. And that's, again, something for further down the line, as far as we've been told. Last two. Nick, is this what Jeff meant by being humble this season? Going back to the, I think Jeff She's letter to the fans. Yeah, I thought that was a, yeah. It's a good question, and I thought it was a really interesting point of the letter, because I think he was basically indicating that look, well, look it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough season. We've got to play like a promoted we've, side. We've got to, yeah, we've got to play. It's our like, first season. We've got to relish the underdog position that Wolves have always been quite good at relishing, to be honest. So he's basically saying he's basically saying that Wolves need to be like a a Burnley, a loot in this season and try and say this is almost like to treat it as like they've just come up from the championship and so this has and, been... And I think it's because it's a message to, to the fans to say give us the time and the patience to make it work like a, like a, like a promoted side would do. Mm. Um, are the fans of Luton going to be getting on Rob Edwards' back no. anytime soon? It's not going to happen. So that's that's I think where that's that point is coming from. And I can understand why he's saying that, because he wants to try and keep oh, everyone together. I tell you what, Wolves better not get beat 8-0 though, Sheffield United on Saturday by Man, Man, Man City. I'm scared for that game. Oh, it's okay. Well, we're going to preview in a minute. Last question now, I like this one. Jack Crutchley, what happens first? Liam's house completes or we win a game? That is a great question. Uh, that is actually a, re that, that is a race for that what's going to happen. It's a slow race as well. It's a you. slow burner. I'm telling you. The house ain't going through anytime soon, mate, so let's hope there's a big uh, win. Almost, almost saw them. <coughs> oh dear, brilliant. Right, um, what do you want from Kellen Toastman, baby? Um, give me a give me a drop down menu. Appliances, floor care, Oxygen personal tank, care, catering, <laughs> cookware, outdoor living, clearance, mobility or spares? Outdoor living. Outdoor living, okay, here we go. 
This is great stuff for um, September when it's just about to get a little bit cold. Actually, yeah, nice, I don't know why I chose that. Nice, nice in Ipswich though. Nice marina. Yes, it's Warm. very nice. Weather we saw a nice, nice little boat there. People having champagne in it. I mean, yeah, you could almost. It's almost like the cost of the soul. It was lovely. Very, very nice. Better than Luton, that absolute dump. Oh, mate. <laughs> mate. So, oh, I feel so, bad saying it. No, it was I, a dump. It was, it was a dump. It was a dreadful, dreadful town. Is it city? It's a town, isn't it? Yeah, Luton town. They are Luton towns. So I'm assuming that means it's a town. I don't, I don't know. So um, we did our did our media rankings last season from 1 to 20. We had Everton at 20. You cannot stand Everton. In fact, you missed them this season. You cannot. I mean, it's one of the worst places you've ever been to in your life. It is a town. Like it's a town. Yeah. Um, where does Luton Town, who are new in on the list, rank in your 1 to 20? Before I say what I'm going to say, yeah. there's a couple of things that Luton's better than Everton on. Okay. Wi-Fi. Yes. The press box marginally. It's not massive, but marginally. Oh, marginally. Yeah, it's not by a lot, yeah. but it is just. And the press room. Yeah, the actual room itself. The actual room like itself. The seating and the seating actual Seating and, yeah. That's probably about it. And it comes in, I never thought I'd say it, oh. it comes in 20th. 20th? I'm sorry, Luton. <laughs> Goodison Park is um, what I'd like to describe as hell on earth. <laughs> And, um, really and Kenilworth Road has somehow managed to come just below. I mean, Although the atmosphere was good. As, as, to be fair, the, the, the credit I give to a lot of these clubs that I, I whinge about the, the state of their stadiums, mm. Ellen Road, for example, Goodison, mm. um, Kenilworth Road now as well, mm. they've all had good uh, you know, atmospheres. These old school stadiums have got good atmospheres. The, play, the fans are right on top of the, of the, of the, of the players and the pitch. Mm. I really enjoy it as a football spectacle, but purely from a, you know, a selfish media facilities point of view it's Victorian oh it's unbelievably <laughs> bad I think absolutely dreadful um, to the extent where we were we, we, we walked basically via the tram or the train tracks into the stadium went all the way around it on the way out we were walking back to the car on a different route and uh, Liam got started on by two young girls <laughs> mate you got abused I, I did not get abused you got abused I did not get abused um, she just decided I was just speaking to you walking down the street yeah. and some random young lady <laughs> decided to <laughs> copy what I just said, but do it in like a sarcastic, sarcastic um, comedic, comedic voice. I found, I found it hilarious. She walked past me. She's battering um, you, mate. Battering you. Yeah. I'm not proud of it. Oh. I did say, shut up. Or something along those lines. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely did say, shut up. <laughs> so I walked away. You said something off. Oh, well, yeah, but yeah, well, she's a loser. <laughs> I always did it then. I always what? did it then. Stop always it. Did it. Always what did are you it. doing? Right, kellertoastman.co.uk, your graded product specialist, baby. Uh, I'm looking at a smoker grill. You know one of these smoker grills you see on, like, um, diners, drive-ins and dives? Uh, massive, huge thing. Put all the meat in there. Big black and just, like... That's poor for you. Chrome, guys. chrome finish. You put all the meats, <laughs> smoke them all night. I mean, this is absolutely superb. Look at the head on it. It looks unbelievable. <laughs> look, look, he looks absolutely superb. Why'd you have to say that? No, but look at it. It looks absolutely magnificent. The lever, oh, the product, I mean, just the juiciness of the meat inside. <laughs> it's absolutely. Please, I'm going to be sick. Oh, mate, honestly. In fact, why, why have we not spoken about our meal? This, this guys come back to that. Okay, we'll come back, come back to that. To that. Um, I mean, it looks in in incredible. I mean, oh my god, the meat's dripping. It's absolutely superb. What would you pay for that? What would you pay for that? This is proper grade A, top drawer specialist product. 
you're talking probably like 300. This is ma- I mean, this is massive. This is serious. This is serious. Three, three, 300. I mean, it is expensive, but it is something that looks absolutely incredible. I mean, my goodness, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful size. £120.50. £120.50. You, you, you might need this for May. Oh, I might need it for May. Crikey. I might have to get it on. Crikey. Um, yeah, we went to the... Um, we went to the Turkish barbecue because um, I, I took Liam to a. We're supposed to go to this place called the Marina. The no, yeah, the Mariners. The Mariners something. It was um, basically a fish place. They did big skewers and then put all your fish on the middle. It was delicious. We like to eat healthy. Um, clothes when we got there. So we walked <laughs> to this Turkish barbecue place that I looked at previously and it was open. So we ordered and uh, we had a bit of hummus to start with, a nice some calamari. Liam ordered um, the chicken, right? It was yeah, it's chicken, like a chicken. Turkish chicken yeah, with some peppers on top. And stuff, yeah. I ordered a lovely like lamb kofta, both delicious. Liam takes his first mouthful um, with some peppers and some chicken and literally looks at me and he starts going bright red, he starts sweating and his mouth was on fire. He basically downed three glasses of water and... I was really concerned for you. I'm, pr- I'm I'm not amazing on spice, but I'm pretty decent. I'm not like someone who can't handle any spice at yeah. all. I'm not middle of the road. Yeah. And my head fell off. I mean, you were you were. I mean, it unbelievable. Was, it was. At, I mean, that it might be the hottest thing I've ever eaten. It was. <laughs> it was incredible. And I very quickly realised that having then waiting for it to wear off and eat the rest of the stuff that it was the peppers that was doing it. So I avoided the peppers, the rest of the meal, and the meal was delicious, brilliant. Mm-hmm. But genuinely, for five minutes, if not longer, mm-hmm. I I thought I was going to be ill. Did I, you, I did you consider I, that you would have to order again? It went through my mind that I was going to have to ask the lovely lady serving us, please take this away from me and let me order something else. I'll pay for it. I don't care. I just I cannot eat that. Well, as long as it went through your mind and not through somewhere else later on, because that would be pretty pretty brutal. Well, once you leave my hotel room, I might be. Uh... Oh no! <laughs> I'm really? I should, I should but, be moving um, around a little bit. But you you had obviously a lot of fun at laughing at me and enjoying that moment and yeah. of course as, as it always does yeah karma comes round. karma chameleon <laughs> great tune <laughs> and uh it came back and bit you on the bottom didn't it my so friend? um i had one pepper to lean there's about 20 that were on his plate um but it was towards the end of my meal so i had it and as soon as i had it i knew exactly i looked at you and knew exactly what you were going through early on in that meal and i was just about to beat you to the punch and say something but you said something incredibly funny and I had a piece of lamb in my mouth I had the pepper in my mouth and it I and you just to, took a swim, I just sip took of a, water. a sip of water and there was I think there was a little bit of garlic yogurt in there as well and it just went down the wrong way because I was laughing then I started choking then I started regurgitating it all coming out onto not only my lap but also the table around me with two or three other people looking and I couldn't stop it was it was it was an embarrassing moment I've hardly laughed that much in my life my I thought my head was going to pop I was dying laughing at the same time I felt a little bit sick because all I could see was you spewing on the table (laughs) I mean it actually was string of gob coming out of your mouth I could see it land on the table and then you were mopping oh it up with, oh, it was it disgusting I was like these are the, we're two professionals <laughs> I'm not in, professional in a man. restaurant we're not we them. were just we were two pigs we were disgusting <laughs> we were we were terrible and, you know, I, honestly I had the last corbits of my chicken after that and I felt a bit ill <laughs> right talking about feeling ill Manchester City 
uh, on Saturday. It's absolutely um, nailed on defeat. <laughs> <laughs> it feels great to say that. Doesn't I mean, it? I'm sorry, but I'm triple captaining Haaland. It's, um, oh, I actually might as well. By the way, um, Fantasy Premier League, Liam, you're doing very well. 40, 40th? 41st, I think it was something like that. 41st out of 600. Uh, little Nathan Judah, top five, not bad effort. Fifth. If, well, if we've been technical, you were joint fifth, so you sort of like fifth slash sixth. But yeah, it's fine. Still not a bad effort, though. To be fair. Yeah, but I don't need to lie to the listeners. You know what I mean? Well, joint fifth isn't fifth slash sixth. It's fifth. Yeah, but it's sort of. Sixth, the, the, no, no, no. The people below was a seventh. That's what it is. I don't think that's how maths works, mate. It goes yeah, five, it is. six, then seven. No, no, no. Fifth equal. You need to look at goal. You're doing it right. You're, you're doing sixth, but it's fine. Um, yeah, you're doing it right. Thanks. I'm doing all right though. I'm doing all right. I normally have a good start. It you just forget about it in a couple of weeks, and that's where you drop down. And I, I, know, I never forget about it. I just lose my passion. Lose your passion. <laughs> I like that. Lose your passion. Um, right, Manchester City against uh, Wolves. Look, um, is this a good game or a bad game? I'm, can't, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say it's a good game. I know they play well against better opposition, game. but this is this is something that looks for me the way that Wolves are. I, mean, I just can't see anything else. It's it's an it's an obvious defeat, and I really can't see any other. Any other scenario um, in terms of formation, in terms of picking a side, is there anything you would say from the eleven that started on on Saturday? Of course, we lose Bellegarde. Um, we haven't discussed Bellegarde sending off and the and the penalty, but we've done it to death. We've done it to death on the video. We've done it to death in our opinion pieces. So I don't think people need to know about that anymore. We think that Bellegarde was stupid. He fell into a trap. We thought the penalty was absolutely ridiculous. I, I don't care what people say. Trying to defend it now, you know, it was an absolute joke. It's a joke of a decision, and I think eighty-five percent of the people out there completely agree. And uh, it's pretty pathetic to be honest, but it is what it is. Um, Bellegarde obviously comes out to that side. So who replaces Bellegarde and what other changes would you make, if any? <sighs> well, I have to make some because Bellegarde can't play. Well, yeah, that's what I said. Um, Apart from Bellegarde aside. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, mate, my head's gone. All I can think Quarter two. All I can think about is Erlen Haaland <laughs> score, scoring in front of the South Bank. I mean, like, they're like going like to be, be rubbing their hands together, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, no, I'm, do you, it would be nice to see... Um, um, we'll be Matthias Nunes and give him a good warm welcome. <laughs> Mate, he's going to get absolutely battered. <laughs> and you can guarantee that he'll have an absolute top-class game. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll have a brilliant game. Yeah. Um, what Gary Neal's got to weigh up here is, does he try and protect the players and protect himself and try and scrape a result mm. and play a back five? Mm. It's negative from the off, but is it his best chance of getting a result? Mm-hmm. Or does he go right? No, I'm going to stick with. I'm going to stick by my guns. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play a four. I'm going to play Neto and Huang and Cunio. I'm going to play the kind of players that are going to win me this game. And does he stick with what he's been? What, what hasn't really been serving him mm-hmm. so far? That's the biggest problem for me. I'm just going for a five. Are you going for five with Totti coming in? That's what I would do. Whether mm-hmm. whether whether people so think what? that's negative so, or not. So Saar, left to right, Ignori, Totti, Kilman. Dawson and Semedo would be your back five. I'd probably play Doc instead of Semedo. I think that Semedo was nailed on start. No, no, no. I think what I would play, but, yeah. I, but I think Semedo was nailed on start. For, for Gary Neal to start, I, I completely Could agree. you see Bubacar coming into the side and playing alongside Joe Gomez and Mario Lamina? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was actually just about to say that. And then and if you do do that, probably then... Probably plays Neto off a striker. Neto off a striker. I think so. Neto Neto off, he's not going to not play Neto. No. Neto off to But then Huang, Huang came off early. You think Huang will probably start that game as well? So He's got a good, he's got a good shout, but I think with... 
he's he, Gary Neal did say in the press conference today as well that he's had a little bit of he's been managing a little bit of a hamstring problem mm. again shock mm. uh, with with mm. Bang unfortunately. So it wouldn't surprise me if he maybe protects him a little bit. Doesn't because yeah. he the last thing he needs now is Huang getting injured. Huang and Neto are the two players you don't need injured mm. right now. So I if you, if you did go surprised. for a four, let's say you go for two up top, who would be your two up top? Let's say you've got Neto and Huang either side, and you go two in midfield, two of those three. Maybe let's say Bubakar on the bench still. Um, would could you see could you playing alongside Kalajic and having a big man up top to change things around? We talk about I could see him playing Cunha still as a lone striker and playing and having Sarabia. more of like a four five one by having a Bubakaroro in midfield again, okay. packing that midfield out. Okay. I can see him doing that mm. four five one, keeping it compact. Um, but it's got to be held up. It's not been held up at this moment in time. Correct. Top, it's going straight back. So yes, Cunha does bring in. And, and from midfield and, and kind of changes play but at the same time when you've got no one up there holding it up and Huang's not really going to hold it up Neto's not going to hold it up and if you've got Cunha you know breaking from from attacking midfield going it's just just I feel like you're missing a player there you know I feel like there's someone who's got to be a focal point and there's no focal point in this side really Liam that's the problem no, Cunha struggled the last couple of games mm. to just to link and bring bring the ball down and bring others into play He's, I mean, he's normally quite good at that sort of link side of his but game. I think with but... someone ahead of him, we've talked about this for a long time. We've talked about it to a blue in the blue in the face, you know. But he's not an out and out nine. It's not a nine. No, I think he's we, both, we both agree with that. And yeah, Wolves and Gary Neal and, and Cunha himself are persevering with that. Mm. Um, but a nine leads the line and scores more goals than, than what he does. Mm. I think the, the way he plays the game, he, he he should be playing with a striker. I just I don't think he plays too strikers. Even at, even at home, I don't think he plays too strikers. On so if you're going to beat Manchester City or get a point against Manchester City, I think you need to score two goals in this game. Yeah, most likely. So I hope it's a couple of own goals. <laughs> <laughs> something, something. A couple of Nunes own goals, yeah. So, oh, could you imagine? Oh, buzzing. Wolves win 2-1, two Nunes own yeah. goals. Um, we were actually very excited about Doc tonight. We both had a little bet, didn't we? At 28-1, to one, that lasted three minutes on the first goal yeah, score. Was, we heard that Doc was going to be right midfield. Yeah, it's buzzing, another 10 quid gone. Um, <laughs> I, not that I ever do it normally, but yeah. all of a sudden I was out. Yeah, I mean, look, you're looking at City in the way that they're going to set up. I mean, they will go sort of 4-2-3-1, you'd imagine. Mm. Uh, Rodri obviously won't be there, red card. Mm. But there's a couple of players to highlight. Haaland's an obvious one. Nunes will probably play in that sort of more deeper role. But mm. with a Rodri, he's able to sure. get forward. Obviously, Rodri won't be there. Yeah. So you'd imagine... Jack Grealish looks like he's come back. He could get a start. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah he came off the bench, didn't he? So uh, does Calvin Phillips probably play ahead of... Mm. Um, in playing play to Rodri? Mm. I wonder whether Doku keeps his place. I think Doku definitely keeps on his place. On that left. I think he does. And I'm telling you this now. Mm. Free of charge. Mm. He rips Samedo <laughs> a new one. Really? I mean, Smedo got Smedo every single time he's come up against Kaoru Matoma mm. has got absolutely destroyed. Mm. Doku is very similar in mm. the sort of mm. characteristics Same of a Matoma. Say, yeah, exactly. Um, I think Doku's going to have him on toast. And I hope I'm wrong. There's a lot of things I like about Smedo, but I just think he's so inconsistent mm. and he's been struggling at times this season. And he actually had a very good first... No, which which game was it? No, very good first half of Liverpool recently. He played yeah. very well. I know the team played mm. well, but... He's had, a, he's had good moments mm. and that first game of the season United he was amazing but he doesn't do that consistently Consistently, and if Doku starts I'm worried for Semedo I really am and obviously as I say Haaland's an obvious one um, and then if they do play Alvarez in behind he's got the opportunity of really if he picks up that pocket of space in there and they haven't got someone on him 
he is going to feed Haaland all night. Who's going to run beyond mm. defenders, mm. Um, and that's where Wolves are going to have so much trouble. Right, what we're giving away this week? You choose. That's tough. A night with Liam Keane between the sheets Mate. in the Holiday Inn in Ipswich. I tell you what, you you I can see you're tired. You're coming out with all sorts of stuff. I know, I'm knackered, mate. I want to go to bed. I've still got to schedule the paper for tomorrow morning. There's some people that would pay some good money for that. You'll get you'll get a free charge, lad. Um, let's give away. Let's, let's just do. Let's go something simple. Something we haven't done for a while. Okay. The home shirt. Home shirt. Easy. Okay. Home easy. shirt. Happy days. Playing back at Molyneux. Home shirt. Okay, love it. Um, I'll go first. We'll go with your prediction. I'm going to say Wolverhampton Wanderers nil, uh, Manchester City four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buzzing, uh. buzzing. Um, I'll go slightly more conservative. <laughs> okay. um, I think Wolves, as they normally have, or have done recently, they'll probably perform a bit better. They'll probably do okay. Yeah. Lose two nil. Two nil. Okay, it's a six nil aggregate. Buzzing. <laughs> anyway, on that note, it's uh, nine minutes to two. We need to go. Oh, God, knackered, I'm drained. Um, look, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, an hour and 27 minutes. Sometimes not easy on a Tuesday night, but, you know, I wouldn't be anywhere else in Ipswich at Holiday Inn rather than with you. No you would one never else. be in this position if it weren't for me being here yeah. and football. Don't start talking about positions at this time of the night. Ooh. From me, from Liam, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Saturday against Manchester City. Take care. Bye-bye. The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack We're Wolverhampton, we're on our way back